following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? What that boils down to is that we look at movies that are Ron and Ron Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1999's Wild Wild West, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, starring Will Smith, Kevin Klein, Kenneth Branagh, and Selma Hayek. Wild Wild West, the 1999 steampunk western action comedy film. It is based on the 1965 to 1969 TV series The Wild Wild West. This film currently holds a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Jim West is a guns a-blazing former Civil War hero. Artemis Gordon is an inventive U.S. Marshal who excels in disguise. When the United States is threatened by psychotic Confederate Arliss Loveless, President Ulysses S. Grant teams the duo up to bring him to justice. On a hazard-packed train journey from Washington, D.C. to Utah, West and Gordon must combine their skills to best Loveless and his diabolical machines. Okay, first up, you may have noticed, no Martin tonight. He's been stricken ill. He's wallowing in his own chaotic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no Martin tonight. He's sick. It's Valentine's Day. He's still reeling from Valentine's Day. Mm. He did a lot of damage. I mean, my stomach was upset for several days. It affected him the worst. Okay, Wild Wild West, what's your history with this? I don't have any history. I knew this movie existed. I don't even remember seeing the trailers for this. I really don't. I I had no idea what to come. I just knew that there was a giant mechanical spider in this. If you'd have asked me before this podcast when this movie came out, I would have guessed 1995, 96. It feels like it's that kind of a movie, like in that era. It's funny because growing up back in 99, my parents, for whatever reason, I don't know why, they had a bootleg VHS version of (laughs) Wild Wild West. This movie was so bad that I didn't even bother to watch it. Like I had it in my home, yet I refused to watch it. That's saying a lot. 1999, I was pretty young. Watch anything. And you didn't even give it a chance. No. Like, <laughs> its reputation was so severe. I was like, I'm not wasting my time. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one. We'll see how you thought they did. Thank God there's only four people <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> First up, Will Smith, his triumphant return to Yes That Bad. Kevin here thought he could be slick and skip iRobot. <laughs> now this time, got your hair to Marvel, Mr. Smith. There was nothing to Marvel here. <laughs> this guy... <laughs> He didn't reach his full beefcake potential yet. Did, did it seem to you like he wanted to be there? No, not at all. He seemed completely disinterested <laughs> in being in this movie. It was almost like he showed up the first day and was like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? No charisma, no charm, no comedic acting whatsoever. I'm going to make an obscure wrestling reference. You're not going to understand it. Maybe five people listening to this will understand it. And I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to say the phrase and it's going to Describe what Will Smith was doing in this movie. Okay, ready? Okay. Pin me, pay me. All right, moving on. (laughs) Four people will get that. (laughs) Yeah, he was so bored. Bored, right? He was listless. Look, I like Will Smith. He's a likable guy. Sure. And he's usually pretty entertaining in movies. Yeah. Not in this. He just didn't (laughs) care. He had, there was nothing. He was giving nothing in this movie. Yeah, it was pathetic. It was a piss poor performance perpetrated primarily. No, yeah, you're right. He was no good. He was no good. No. Especially, this is two years after Men in Black. Powerhouse. Performance yeah. compared to this. Oh, for right? sure. I love that movie. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. This, on the other hand, is a grade A stinkeroony. But I'm not going to blame him. I was in this. I don't think I'd care either. Yeah, just pay me. Give me the cash. Yeah, pay exactly. Up. Okay, next up, Kevin Klein. Ah, your namesake. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. You, you may not know this, but Kevin was actually named after <laughs> Kevin Klein. <laughs> His mom had a real success of humor. She knew. She knew this movie was going to come out. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Klein. He he wasn't sleepwalking through this. He was trying. He was trying. He did his best. He didn't try too hard. <laughs> 
he didn't overexert himself. Just enough. But yeah, he did just enough to skate by. I liked him in this. He was pretty good. Yeah, he was alright. Nothing to complain about. No, no. Nothing no. to praise, really, but. He played two roles okay, in this. Okay, okay, yeah, you're right. So we gotta give you're him right. some credit, right? He was the president and he was one of the heroes. Yeah. I thought he did a great job as the president. I didn't recognize him. I really didn't. I'm not gonna give him credit for that. I think that's all makeup. Yeah, but if you just put makeup on a guy and he's talking like he talks normally, you'll know it's him. But, but he masked his voice like, really well. He mumbled. When he was Grant, he just stood still like a board and mumbled <laughs> his words. It's perfect. Mumble core. Okay, yeah. There you go. <laughs> 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 uh, I thought he did a great job. Well done. Next up, the director of Thor, Kenneth Branagh. This guy's an actor. Oh, yeah. It came out. Othello. Remember we watched that? Yeah. In high school? Uh-huh. Good stuff. Look, this guy's a Shakespearean actor. Yeah. He's for real. <laughs> When he made his appearance at that ball or gala or whatever. Fidelio, yes. <laughs> Why do these things always show up in stupid movies? These are always doing masquerade balls. Constantly. So is these non-Halloween costume parties. <laughs> So he shows up and makes his grand entrance, and it was awesome. It was captivating. He grabbed the movie when he was on the screen. It's funny because, Kevin, you say this a lot about people like Gary Oldman, Kenneth Branagh. Mm -hmm. Say it again, if you will, for the audience. Yeah, well, those guys, they're real actors. As opposed to what? As opposed to people who are given movie roles because they're popular for their music or, (laughs) like, they're models, like, they're good-looking people. Like, these are people that have worked their way up to get to where they are by pure acting ability alone. Yes. Like, it's not a job. It's like their craft. Yes. They're honing it. Yeah, exactly. There's very few of those people out there today. Yeah, that's true. Very few. Now, that's not to belittle the people who get there other ways, right? Like, Will Smith has gotten where he is, not because of his acting ability, but he's an enjoyable person to watch. Yeah, it's charisma. So, you know, there's different roles, but Brown is an actor. What about a a young Taylor Lautner? How does he match up? (laughs) You saw Valentine's Day. (laughs) Not really sure what happened there. I guess he's getting in with his good looks. Yeah. <laughs> his boyish beefcake looks. Yes. Yep. And finally, Salma Hayek. She made this movie watchable for the first half. Oh, yeah. Eye candy. Right? She was basically in uh, dressed in his tight corset for the first half of the movie. And yeah, she had nothing to say, nothing to do. She was no. just there to be ogled. And, and she did a great job at that, I Yeah, guess. I mean, I was fine with it because it kept me engaged for a while. <laughs> because I noticed that when I stopped caring a little bit, I noticed that it was right around the time that she stopped wearing the corset. Direct correlation? I think so. <laughs> Causation? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to critique here because she didn't really do or say anything except run around in skimpy clothes. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't given anything to do. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's it, right? Is there anybody else? Not really. Yeah, all right. So let's get into the history of Wild Wild West. In January 1992, Variety reported that Warner Brothers was planning a theatrical version of the Wild Wild West directed by Richard Donner, written by Shane Black. You know those people are? I don't Donner is. Shane Black sounds familiar. Shane Black is the guy that wrote Lethal Weapon. Oh, okay. And starring Mel Gibson as James West. Can you imagine that? That sounds like Maverick? Donner and Gibson instead made a theatrical version of TV's Maverick. Oh! That's a movie. The Wild Wild West motion picture continued in the development stage with Tom Cruise rumored for the lead in 1995. Cruise instead revived Mission Impossible the following year. Oh, good decision. Good choice. George Clooney was attached to play Artemis Gordon, but turned it down reportedly because it was a supporting part. Imagine that, Cruise and Clooney. Man, these people were dodging bullets left and right. The film underwent costly reshoots in an attempt to inject some humor after it was found that test audiences weren't sure if it was supposed to be a comedy. John Peter served as producer along with director Sonnenfeld. In a 2002 Q&A event that appeared in An Evening with Kevin Smith, writer-director Kevin Smith talked about working with Peters on a fifth potential Superman film in 1997, revealing that Peters had three demands for the script. The first demand was that Superman not wear the suit, the second was that Superman not fly, and the third was to have Superman fight a giant spider in the third act. After Tim Burton came on board, Smith's script was tossed away, and the film was never produced due to further complications. A year later, he noted that Wild Wild West, with Peters 
years on board as producer was released with the inclusion of a giant mechanical spider in the final act. Neil Gaiman has also said that John Peters also insisted a giant mechanical spider be included in a film adaptation of The Sandman. In 1997, writer Gilbert Ralston sued Warner Brothers over the upcoming motion picture based on the series. Ralston helped create the Wild Wild West television series and scripted the pilot episode. In a deposition, Ralston explained that in 1964, he was approached by producer Michael Garrison, who said he had an idea for a series, good commercial idea, and wanted to know if I could glue the idea of a Western hero and a James Bond type together in the same show. Ralston's experience brought to light a common Hollywood practice of the 1950s and 60s when television writers who helped create popular series allowed producers or studios to take credit for a show, thus cheating the writers out of millions of dollars in royalties. Ralston died in 1999 before his suit was settled. Warner Brothers ended up paying the family between $600,000 and $1.5 million. While the film was popular at the box office, it did not live up to its creator's blockbuster expectations as had Men in Black two years earlier. At an official $150 million and unofficially $180 million budget, it stands as the most expensive movie produced by Warner Brothers and the most expensive movie released in 1999. It grossed how much worldwide? $200 million. Close. $222 million. The film also won five Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Screen Couple, Kevin Klein and Will Smith, Worst Screenplay, <laughs> Worst Original Song, Wild Wild West. It also earned nominations for Worst Actor for Kevin Klein, Worst Supporting Actor for Kenneth Branagh, Worst Supporting Actress for both Selma Hayek and Klein as a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith said that he knew the movie wasn't any good, and he was embarrassed when it earned almost $50 million in its opening weekend. Years later, Smith apologized publicly to Robert Conrad, star of the original television series, and said now that he was older and more experienced, he understood Conrad's anger and criticism of the film version, as well as Conrad's refusal to make a cameo appearance in it. Mm. Ah, pretty nice, huh? Yeah. Old age got to him, huh? A little, a little wiser. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Okay, Kevin. Wild, wild west. This movie kind of starts off in a very different way than we're used to with silly movies like this. No flashback. No black and white. No, no black and white. It actually starts off with a grown man being brutally decapitated. I was pretty surprised. Like This is supposed to be a family film, right? I guess so. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that I don't think is really family friendly. So no. guy gets decapitated. And throughout the course of this whole movie, there is really, really heavy handed double entendres uh-huh. in this, gay bashing, mm-hmm. racism. Yep. This movie's got it all, uh-huh. right? There's a way to handle stereotypical jokes and things like that. They just didn't handle it well in this movie <laughs> at all. And it, I felt like weird watching it sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, Uncomfortable. Awkward. Yeah. Oh yeah. After this guy gets his head brutally sliced off, we cut to Will Smith having hot, passionate sex inside of a water tower. It looked like this water tower was this town's only source of water. <laughs> yep. <laughs> People are having sex uh-huh. in the water. Yep. You might get dysentery from drinking. <laughs> drinking water. Yeah, you might end up like Martin. <laughs> <laughs> That's the people of the Oregon Trail got dysentery. Oh, drinking well, Smith, water sources. Yeah, there's man juice in the water. <laughs> Will Smith poisoned the well. So he's in this water tower. The water tower tips over. We get like a staple in like every Will Smith film. This little sequence encompasses elements that we see in like every Will Smith performance. So he falls out of the water tower. He's completely naked again, Uh like iRobot. He's wet and naked again, like an (laughs) iRobot. And he does this befuddled, disheveled (laughs) Will Smith look that we've all seen a million times where he's exasperated and he looks to the left and the right and he's like, oh, he puts his hands up. It does seem like they just run that same scene in every movie that he's in. He's like a very like goofy, humble, sorry I'm intruding because I'm a naked guy oh, scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess he does it well. You've seen Hitch 700 times, right? Oh, I've seen it once. He does stuff like that in that, right? I don't remember. Was he naked and wet? <laughs> <laughs> he for sure was wet. I remember him being wet. That's true. So Will Smith starts fighting people naked like Viggo Mortensen in Easter Promise. <laughs> <laughs> and he cripples what a terrible analogy. It's nothing like that. <laughs> cripples some guys with his naked fists and like beats them to death. He jumps on, I guess, some cowboy version of a zipline. <laughs> 
I guess this rope was used to pick up bales of hay or something in the I barn. guess so, yeah. It leads out to the out of the barn to where this carriage is. The horses start running away with whatever product that these, these guys were loading onto it. I don't even know what's happening at this point, by the way. Like, I don't know who these guys are. I don't know why he's fighting them. Like, I don't know what they're taking. Like, what were in the boxes that they're putting on the carriage? None of this information is given to us. But the horses run off, and he grabs onto this rope and slides out of the building. And when he gets to the end, he lets go of the rope and flies 30 feet in the air. <laughs> he had no momentum. <laughs> He would be lucky to to get out of the window on the momentum he had, let alone fly 30 feet like Superman. (laughs) Kevin has his arms outstretched in a classic Superman pose. Yes, yes. All right, so we cut to this whorehouse, which is a staple of these kind of movies, right? There's got to be a whorehouse. If you're in the wild, wild west, there's going to be a wild, wild whorehouse. Of course. And we meet all these crazy characters. There's this one Civil War guy. He's got like a horn for an ear. He tips over the metal horn in his ear and all this gooey earwax drops out. We cut to Kevin Klein. He took a page out of Willem Dafoe's book from mm-hmm. the Boondock Saints mm-hmm. and he's dressed in full drag. And it was really uncomfortable because Joel was like, who's this young actress? Who's this beefcake? <laughs> yeah, Kevin Klein with breasts. It was wonderful. I don't even know what to say about it. He's one of the ugliest looking women I've ever seen in my life. <sighs> yeah, I guess so. Who was more attractive, Willem Dafoe or Kevin Klein in woman form? I'm gonna give it to Kevin Klein. Ooh. Ouch. How about you? Ouch. I would <laughs> I have to agree. <laughs> Who's more ashamed of themselves right now? Willem Dafoe or Kevin Klein? I'm going to say this. Willem Dafoe is a fearless actor, so he does not care at all. That's true. Yeah, so Kevin Klein takes uh, the Civil War guy up to a room and has the Civil War guy kind of undo his belt buckle. <laughs> Behind this belt buckle are two swirling discs that are hypnotizing the Civil War guy. Like this is a Looney Tunes. <laughs> way to describe it. Was this belt made by Acme? And of course the guy is getting hypnotized by these stupid swirling discs. What the hell is going on here? (laughs) What? Why is this even a thing? Can you explain this to me? What? Swirling discs hypnotizing people? Like where did this come from? That's a thing. That's a well known thing. We finally get to find out what the hell the plot of this movie is. Will Smith goes to the White House, and this movie takes place in like 1860 or 70. Oh, and the president tells them that what they have to do is that the nation's top scientists in hydraulics, physics, physics, psychology, steampunkery, I don't know. Astronomy. Yeah, everything. I mean, all the top scientists, they've been kidnapped by the villain, and the villain's going to use them to create an ultimate weapon to overthrow the government. They have one week to stop it. That's what they have to do. They have to rescue these scientists from the madman. I'm getting a very, very strong The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen vibe from this movie. And that's something I don't want to experience anymore. Yeah, so they have a lot of gay bashing jokes during this sequence with like, touch my breasts and fondle my boobs and all all this weird stuff is going Uh on. They're gender bending to the extreme. (laughs) Oh man, gender gets bent. Left and right during this movie. It's, I mean, really, like, gender bending should be, like, listed in the credits as a co-star. <laughs> really good showing by gender bender. Yeah, there's a lot of excessive gender bending going on this movie. Did you think there was, this was gender bending when you signed on to see a movie called The Wild Wild no, West? Not at all. I thought genders were going to be very specific. <laughs> and constant. What is that deviate? <laughs> I'm so glad we could bring that back. Okay, so yeah, so we meet Kenneth Branagh, and he has no legs. And I'm going to make a reference to a movie that I'm going to guess you didn't see, but I did. Did you ever see The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No. I knew it. I knew you didn't do it. John Malkovich is in there, and I think that movie ripped off Wild Wild West. The villain, or whatever, the closest thing to a villain in that movie, he's just like this. Like, he's missing his lower torso. Or torso. (laughs) 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 What am I talking about? He's missing his legs. <laughs> yeah, he's missing his legs and he's on a platform that has mechanical legs that comes out of it and walks around. Very similar to this. That's what Kenneth Branagh has. Yeah, so, so wait, wait, wait. But Hitchhiker's Guy was a book, right? Yeah, but that character was invented for the movie. Oh, okay. See? Well, you know, when you're going to rip something off. Oh, yeah. You, aim high. You, you go for the gold standard. <laughs> 
Yeah, so like you said before, Kenneth Branagh shows up. He injects some life into this thing. You know, he hams it up. He's having a good time with this stupid material. Oh, yeah. Like, he's he's eating it up, you yeah, know? Yeah, definitely. He's having a good time. Bai Ling is there. Mm-hmm. World-renowned Bai Ling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awful. <laughs> totally awful in this. They go to the Fidelio Masquerade Ball, <laughs> and, that, and that's where they meet Kenneth Branagh. I don't even want to talk about this, but there's two things that go on in this thing that I want to bring up mm-hmm. that are, are worthy of note. Number one is was when Will Smith is in the office with Bai Ling, and something really strange happens with the paintings. <laughs> it really took you off guard. Yeah, it's, it's like something out of Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, basically, the painting comes to life. The whole time we see these paintings, they're just paintings, right? They look just like paintings, normal yes. paintings. And then all of a sudden, the man in the painting starts to slowly turn his rifle, and he goes to kill Will Smith. It is insane. It's mind-bending. I thought it was like an optical illusion, what I was watching, right? <laughs> Wasn't that weird? I mean, the assumption, yes, it was weird. The assumption there is that the picture is dimensional, right? Because before this, they set the precedent of they had like the band at the Fidelio Ball in a painting yep. that you can see the back of it. Like uh-huh. it was like a box, yep. right? That goes to say that these people, they're not two-dimensional men. They're like in an enclosure, like in a museum or something, right? going to be a lot of dimension to that painting. Yeah, when you walk by it. Right. So you would assume that's well, like a taxidermied man or something. Not that it's a painting. Yeah. Will Smith was two feet from that thing? <laughs> And he didn't notice that that wasn't a painting? That it's <laughs> that it was breathing and moving? What was he doing? <laughs> How could you be that close to that thing? And not at least just take notice. Like, this is weird. It's dimensional. It's not a real painting. And then we cut to find out that there wasn't just one man in the painting. There was like six of them in the room. Every painting had a guy in it. Yeah, like even up on the ceiling. So what do they do? They live in the, the ball, like in Tron Legacy? Yeah. So the other thing I want to talk about in this ball is when Will Smith goes up to some woman and just starts slapping her breast. <laughs> He's like, hey, your boobies look great tonight. <laughs> like, he just, he just starts patting them. <laughs> I think that was, like, the only laugh in the movie, I thought. That was really funny. because well, So Will Smith goes up to this woman, and he thinks it's Kevin Klein again. Gender-bending again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a safe assumption at this point. Yeah. You see a woman who's kind of mannish, probably Kevin Klein. But turns out it's not. Kevin Klein was dressed as a man in this scene, <laughs> surprisingly. One of the few scenes Kevin Klein was dressed as a man. He bent his gender back to normal. But then... We get this extremely awkward scene (laughs) where all the white people, white Southerners, are aghast. Yeah, they take him out back to hang him. It's unbelievable. And then it's basically a scene where he's there, like, trying to talk them out of hanging him. Like, he's doing his stand-up routine about, like, racism. I feel like this was one of the most racist things I've ever (laughs) been privy to. (laughs) Like, I was blessed to see it. Like, I don't know. Yes, this was privately for you and Will Smith. He did this personally for you. No, I hated this scene. I hated it. Like, yeah, you, I felt really uncomfortable. What did, you, what did you describe what I did when we were watching this? You laid your head down in shame <laughs> on your arm. And you were just you just looked, looked really sad. I was aghast. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, how could Will Smith have been okay with this? I don't know. I don't know what could have been going through his head. Like, this is the kind of stuff that people, people like, complain about. This is so racist. And mm-hmm. this is it right here. Like, this kind of stuff. It dealt in properly, I thought, with black stereotypes, redneck stereotypes, a lot of stuff that just wasn't handled correctly. It's a dark mark in an almost flawless career. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward and we find out what one of the super weapons that Kenneth Branagh built, and just like in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he built a super tank. Who cares? At this point, like, who cares? Wow, he built a super tank. Great. Yeah, I mean, it's around this point where I just, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what his motivations are. I don't understand why Will Smith and Kevin Klein hate each other. Yeah, they do. Through this whole movie, they hate each other. I still don't understand why. Apparently in the TV show, those two characters really like each other and they trust each other with their lives, but they rewrote them for the movie and made them antagonists to each other for some reason. Yeah, they were combative to each other when they were supposed to be working together. That's fine if you have two characters that have a disagreement about something fundamentally or, you know, they don't like each other from the start. Like, there was no basis for them to not like each other. The only thing that they had against each other was that they had differing styles of law enforcement, right? So that means you hate the guy? That's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's around this time we get to see Salma Hayek's bare buttocks. That's true. That's, this movie's peaked at this point, right? That's the end of it. They went out of their way to show us her butt crack. We stood up and applauded... (laughs) 
cheered, and that was it, right? This movie just, after that, it just fizzles away. You probably should have just turned it off right there. Because her character just fades away into the distance. Completely, yeah, she's gone. Right. We, we got our gratuitous ass shot, mm-hmm. and we're done, we're satisfied. So after this sequence, we get this whole series of events that is just utterly absurd and insane. They're on a train going to Utah or whatever. Kenneth Branagh's train kind of goes up behind them, points cannons at them, and starts opening fire. Yep. But despite the fact that they're on a straight track, yep. they miss every shot. And Doesn't that, make any sense. And then Will Smith defies every law of physics yet again. Will Smith gets lowered underneath their train and very much like speed. It's straight out of speed. He is kind of lowered behind the train so that he can go to the, 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 the train that's following them. He's on this little cart. Yeah, it's on a cart. Like a dolly. The rope breaks and now Will Smith is kind of on his own on these tracks heading towards the, the Kenneth Branagh's train. I don't even know what happened here. The way this is edited is so strange. So Will Smith still has some of the rope. This elastic rope? Yeah. It's rubber, rubber band it's, rope? It's a rubber rope. So he hooks it on the uh, on Kenneth Branagh's train and he goes way behind it and then the, the rubber band snaps him back. So he's going super fast, sticks his hands up and grabs onto like the bottom of a ladder and <laughs> flips himself up doing like a double backspin. His arms should have been ripped out of their sockets. Definitely. The way this was cut was comical. Like the oh, editing was so was weird. So bad on the, <laughs> the editing was piss poor in this movie. It was really bad. There were moments where I actually noticed how bad the editing is. That like never happens. Yeah, you're right. Never. You're right. There was times where like I remember one instance was cut between two scenes. I think like a <laughs> second went by without any any music, any picture on the screen. I think it was like black for like a second <laughs> before the next scene started. <laughs> It was so <laughs> horrifically bad. I can't believe how bad the editing was in this movie. This is a huge budget. There's no reason for this to be th- that bad, right? <laughs> So much time and money was spent on this movie. And it was just like, when they got to the final cut, they're just like, oh, whatever, this is good enough. We'll make 50 mil opening weekend, yeah. who cares? Yeah, don't put any more money into this because it's not going to get us any more at the box office whether we edit this a little better. So after this, they, they get captured. They have this whole stupid sequence where they're being chased around a cornfield by these magnetic saw blades that are trying to kill them. At this point, we just didn't care. We had completely and totally checked out. Yeah, I made a fatal mistake. <laughs> and I said, hey, Kevin, this movie came out in 1999. Sama Hayek, she's really young and attractive in this movie. Who were the hot it girls of 1999? I, I gotta tell you, that's probably the most inane, <laughs> pointless, useless question ever, right? Who was hot back in 99? Uh-huh. Yet, this movie was so boring, we stopped it. We went on Google and looked up Maxim's Top 100 for 1999. <laughs> FHM's Top 100. And we spent a good 15 to 20 minutes debating. <laughs> Perusing and debating these lists from 13 years ago. And when we went back to watch the movie, I was disappointed we were done. Both Salma Hayek and Bai Ling were in the top 100 hottest. Yeah, we had two of them. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's astounding. Yeah, that was a fatal, fatal error on my part because when we came back to the actual movie, it was like, oh my God, there's 40 minutes left of this. Any investment I had in what was going on in the movie destroyed. Completely, completely gone. We spent like 10 minutes debating the attractiveness <laughs> of Gillian Anderson, <laughs> who made the list. <laughs> That's a much better use of our time. <laughs> Eventually, Will Smith doesn't want to be left out of the fun, and he starts gender bending for no reason whatsoever. Will Smith is in drag. His boobs start shooting fire. Who cares? <laughs> Whatever. Yep. Fire boobs. I guess it's a joke. I don't know. It wasn't funny. Nothing. None of this was funny. Any, anyway, so we get to the scene that everybody knows this movie for, and it's a giant mechanical spider. As for the actual design of the spider, what do you think? I found the spider to be incredibly stupid. <laughs> Now, let me defend that. Okay, please. The floor is yours. It is one of the most inefficient machines I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I okay. Mean, eight legs. That's a lot of steampunk power. Now, the assumption is every one of those legs would have to be individually controlled, correct? Yeah. By one person? You can't have multiple people controlling the legs or else... Hey, there's no computer to do it. No computer to do this. So one guy has to like manually, with two hands, move <laughs> eight legs? This is clearly because that lunatic 
lunatic producer wanted a spider in a movie, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why was spider was like the theme of this movie? Kenneth Branagh's flag was a spider. I say discs had spiders. I say that his facial hair was spider-like. So we haven't talked about this at all. But Kenneth Branagh's motivation apparently was yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's a bitter southerner. Yeah, he fought in the Civil War. He lost his legs in the war, and he's very upset about it. Yeah, and now he's getting revenge on the United States. He wants the Confederates to win in the end. So if that's the case, why wouldn't your flag be like the Confederate flag? Why is it a spider? (laughs) Better yet, we come to find that later on that his master plan is to take over the United States and then return the pieces of the United States that we bought from other countries or took Mm -hmm. back to their original owners. I don't understand. He's a diehard Southerner, yet he wants to return the South to France and and Mexico and Spain. What the hell is that? He wants to take the northern, central, and northwest part of the United States for himself. He's a Southerner. What's going on? What What the hell is going on? <laughs> There's no logic. There's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's a total lack of effort to care about your movie when you write something like that. Like, is it incompetence or a lack of caring? I can almost guarantee you that 800 people wrote this, right? This must have been written to death. Every producer, every Hollywood studio head, they were like, change this, change this, change this, change this. And this, the whole thing was just patched together. I guess so, man. But I would be embarrassed to have my name on here as like for a writing credit. <laughs> so Will Smith, jumps aboard this 80 foot spider and he gets knocked out. Someone shoots him in the chest. He's got a bulletproof vest and he falls 80 feet. 80 feet. He falls out of this spider. He lands on the ground with a sickening thud. On his back. His spine breaks his fall. His human skull slams against the ground Uh going at terminal velocity. Spider moves away. Guess what? He's alive. Will Smith, he made it. Alive and well. Eight stories, man. That's nothing for Will Smith. This is like national it, treasure. You his know. back should have been shattered into a million pieces. Yes. He's, he's dead. If not dead. crippled for life. Yeah, for sure. There's no way he's okay from that. But what happens? Dusts off his shoulders and he he starts running. He starts running. He starts running <laughs> like, like he just tripped. No, so when Kevin Klein saw this spider, he made this offhand remark about we need a flying machine. If we could fly, it'd be great. Initially, Will Smith tells him to shut the hell up. But then Will Smith changes his mind. He's like, that flying machine, you think could still build it. And I'm not even joking. Within the span of what? 10 minutes? He builds a flying machine. It couldn't have been longer than that. I mean, Giant Spider is getting away. Yeah. Will Smith says, can you build the flying machine? Cut to a second later, it's built and they're on it. And it has to be close enough that they can get to to the spider still. There's no more than 10 minutes. And the thing that pissed me off about this is that this is in 1870. Man has not yet flown. It hasn't happened yet. The Wright brothers haven't flown yet. No one has ever flown before. Uh These two jokers are the first in flight. They fly their stupid contraption off the cliff and they're in the air and they're gliding. First time a human being has ever flown through the air and we see Will Smith's face in the back. He... (laughs) He looks like he's just (laughs) sitting on the toilet. (laughs) Completely emotionless. Just kind of waiting to get his business done. At least Kevin Klein has a smile on his face. Yeah, he's grinning from ear to ear. You can tell that they were just sitting on a green screen, right? Oh, yeah. There's a green screen. Will Smith is just sitting there. (laughs) Pay me. (laughs) Just give me the money. Get me out of here. He's counting the money in his head as as they're filming this scene. So anyway, let me just fast forward to the end here. They fly on to the spider and something interesting happens here. Initially, Will Smith and Kevin Klein were just going to fight Kenneth Branagh's henchmen. Just like in Van Helsing, the villain in this movie has three or four hot girl henchmen mm-hmm. that do his bidding for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um. They do his bidding. And in the original cut, Smith and Klein just fall these women. And Tess' audience were like, what the hell? They're, they're like fighting women? This is so strange. So, when they did those reshoots, they added in this entire section of Will Smith fighting a guy with knives mm-hmm. and a guy with a shovel, which is completely pointless and stupid. Yep. But, we also get a shot of something that's pretty spectacular, I think. Just like this movie was pieced together from random parts of crap, <laughs> we meet steampunk Frankenstein. <laughs> 
there is no rhyme or reason or setup for why there's a steampunk Frankenstein man. This guy apparently is constructed completely of metal except for his face, right? Because every time Will Smith hits him, it's metal. Yeah. So is this guy a robot? Will Smith picks up this giant wrench. (laughs) (laughs) Then this... Metal Frankenstein guy is walking towards him. Will Smith's backing up. He gets to the very edge before falling off the spider. This is unbelievable. Unreal. And then Will Smith's just like, here. <laughs> and he, he calmly hands the guy the wrench. He, Frankenstein he, picks it up. He holds it over his head. He's going to swing it down. Kill Will Smith. For sure. He's going to kill him. And he short circuits. He goes, and sparks start shooting out of his mouth and eyes. Then he dies and then Will Smith runs away. I was like, what the hell? I had to stop the movie and rewind it. What happened? I have no idea. Yeah, we watched this twice. There's no reason for that to happen from what we can see. <laughs> we are missing something. I mean, that was like the last gasp of this stupid movie right there. That was like the last, like, I, I can't take it anymore. Yeah, that was it. That was that the was last it. draw. That was it. I was like, all right, whatever. Just end it already. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> this movie ends with uh, with Kevin Klein saving the day. The man who hates guns, he uses a gun to save the day. He shoots Kenneth Branagh's spider machine and Kevin Branagh flies out of the 80 foot spider along with Will Smith. Will Smith grabs onto a chain and like, it's absurd and stupid and a joke. Yeah, I wasn't laughing, you know. I feel like the joke was on me watching this stupid thing. My biggest problem with this was it's revealed that Kenneth Branagh under his wheelchair has legs. Yeah. Like he turns into his own little spider. How wouldn't he always use that? Why is he ever in the wheelchair? I also like that this thing looked like it weighed a, a thousand pounds or more. Oh, yeah. Way more. Uh-huh. Several tons. And it's like stomping on Will Smith's face and hands. <laughs> and it's not doing any damage at all. Nope. Oh, whatever. Who cares? The end. Whatever. <laughs> I've had enough of the wild, wild west. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. All concept and no content. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Extremely stupid and incompetent. (laughs) Amy Taubin, Village Voice. And finally, there are six writers and eight producers listed in the credits. Is it any wonder that it feels like an amalgamation of mismatched bits and pieces? Jeff Strickler, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Okay, Kevin, this movie currently holds a 21% around tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Oh yeah, definitely. It's that bad. We talked a little bit at the end about Frankenstein and that's what this movie feels like. It's just a whole bunch of parts that were kind of thrown away probably from other ideas (laughs) and just pasted together into this abomination. I'm going to give this a one out of five. I feel like I've been really harsh with movies lately. Have we just been watching total piles of crap? <laughs> yes. Yes, we have. I, I think it's really starting to affect me emotionally, <laughs> mentally, physically. But this was, this was terrible. I was with it for a while. Me too. I really was, but. Me too, me too. The second half of this is just, it's terrible. It's, it's go ahead. <laughs> wow. Kevin just slumped in his chair. A defeated man. He lost a bit of his soul tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to give it a two. Like, just now, I was going to give it a two, but you you just convinced me. (laughs) That look of forlorn hate in your heart. I'm going to give it a one out of five. This movie is a joke. Absolute joke. It deserves all the hate it's gotten. This is an infamous movie, right? It's well known for being bad, Mm -hmm. and I understand it, right? It deserves it. This isn't a a diamond in the rough. No. A shocker, like House of Wax or something. No. This is a true piece of bloated Hollywood crap. (laughs) It's not campy enough to be funny. Not exciting. It's not interesting. You know what? I will give it this. I liked the costumes and some of the steampunky stuff was kind of cool. That's it. Okay. That's it. If we're praising costumes, man, we're, we're grasping at straws. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Not a good sign. All right. That's it. Well done, guys. Well done. <laughs> I really feel like I need to like go home and like watch a movie that I know is good. Here, here. You can borrow my Shawshank Redemption. You can watch that. You need that. Man, I need it. I need it to, to revive my... Myself. Okay, you know, now's the time where I normally would play the voicemails. And we did get plenty of voicemails this week. But ever since I made the call last week that the voicemails were on thin ice, I've been inundated <laughs> with comments of people saying, all right, get rid of the voicemails. They suck. I tune out of them. So you know what? That's it. Bye-bye voicemails. Your Done. wishes are commands. Right, yeah. So let's take a moment to uh, a moment of silence <laughs> for the voicemails. <laughs> All right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't think I'm a silent yet. <laughs> so wait, do you not want people to call in at all? Like, is that, is that shut down? Or do you still want people to call in with questions and things like that? Uh, that's a good question, man. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. What do you think? I, I mean, I say keep it open if people want to call in and ask us questions or whatever. Like that nerd guy. His questions were amazing. Which I got an email about them. Beautiful. But yeah, maybe just, just cut the movie review part of it out. Yeah. Right? Like no more of those like questions and stuff. All right. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. If you're going to call in, feel free to call in at 973-797-9324. I mean, whatever. If you want to call in, call in whatever you want, but there's no guarantee it'll get on, right? Yeah. 973-797-9324. Yeah. So I guess we'll keep the, we'll keep the line open. We'll stockpile questions and then we'll bang them out when we have enough. Yeah, How does good. that sound? It's not going to be an everyday affair every once in a while because we do have some questions now and I still have some of the nerd questions left over so we can do those in the future. So, all right. So that's the future of the voicemails. Every once in a while, we'll do them. I like it. Okay, perfect. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Wes writes in and says, first of all, great show, guys. Secondly, Beyonce is great, but she's no Kelly Clarkson. Wait, what was that? Pop Diva? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do not think Kelly Clarkson's a Pop Diva. Yeah, she's no Rebecca Black either. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) All right. Cole writes in and says, like herpes, is Quaid contagious? I had an obligation to write this message. I arrived home late evening this past Sunday to sit down and unwind from the rigors of a long weekend. I turned on the TV and scrolled through the guide to hopefully find a decent movie that I could enjoy. After pursuing my options, I couldn't help but laugh hysterically. Of the available movie channels at my fingertips, I counted not one, not two, not three, but four movies that have appeared on your podcast on simultaneously. Whoa! That sounds like hell on (laughs) earth. (laughs) They were Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Van Helsing, The Proposal, and I saved the best for last, G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. Okay, Kevin, of those four, which do you pick? All right, we give them to me one more time. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Van Helsing, The Proposal, G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. I know what I'd pick. I think I'd go Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'm going with The Proposal. I don't know. That's pathetic, right? <laughs> okay. Then the cold reality set in and I became extremely depressed. I shut off all the lights in the house and I went into the bathroom. I turned on the shower, set the water to frigid, and just sat under for over 20 minutes in the dark, weeping, <laughs> trying to escape what I had just observed in the guide menu. After realizing how dumb this act was, I went ahead and gave G.I. Joe a chance. Since I hadn't viewed this piece of cinema magic yet, it was on the USA Network where apparently characters are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Which includes uh, the patriarch of our modern society, Dennis Quaid. I watched him deliver a rousing speech to his fellow comrades for a little over 15 seconds. Then once again, I shut off all the power in the house. <laughs> I went into the bathroom to continue my cold shower weeping. <laughs> all, se- all seriousness aside, the redhead had awesome chesticles in her tight black suit at the end of the movie. Keep up the good work, guys, and look forward to the new pods. I don't even remember what he's talking about. I don't either. Scarlet, I guess. You were there. You watched it with I, me. I know. I know. I know. I just, I don't remember. Hey, I remember Brendan Fraser in that movie. Paul writes in, Hey, Joel, where do you see the podcast ultimately going? I direct it to you because you seem to be the ringleader and owner of the amazing Behringer gear. <laughs> I assume podcasts are often a for fun endeavor, but have you guys ever been contacted by sponsors or anything of the sort? Are there simply too many movie podcasts for any to rise above and catch fire? I swear you guys didn't have to hack away at these damn day jobs. I could listen to several installments a week. I know you've talked before about your hobbies being come and go and some not lasting, but I'm begging you, run this podcast for as long as you can. Yeah, Ken, what do you think? What's the future of our show going to be? You know, it's interesting because this week, this past Sunday, I watched Comic Book Men on AMC, Yeah, which is the, the Kevin Smith comic book shop show. I'm 99% sure that show doesn't exist if the guy from the guys from that comic book shop don't have their podcast, right? And Would you agree? Kevin Smith. Would you agree? Yes. But regardless of the Kevin Smith thing, that, that doesn't even, that doesn't happen if they don't have the podcast already, right? So what are you getting at? New goal, AMC television show. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Let's, Let's aim high. Let's do Let's it. Aim, high. aim for the stars. As for his question of like, are there too many movie podcasts to break out? The answer to that is a resounding yes. Yeah, definitely. How many movie podcasts? There's like a billion of them, right? New ones pop up every day. Quite frankly, I'm amazed that our listenership is slowly gone up. Like we've gotten slowly and steadily more people have started listening to this, which is amazing to me because there's just so many 
many more options mm-hmm. for you to pick out there, I guess. But for the future, I don't know. Sponsorships, that'd be nice. I don't know. If anyone wants to sponsor us, please go to the voicemail number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before I shut it down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I would have to, like, start getting off my ass and start actually hustling to, to get sponsorships. That's a lot of hard work, man, you know? That's not even in, in the realm of possibility at this point, though, is it? Sponsorships? Yeah. I mean, you gotta have pretty big numbers. Yeah, you gotta have huge numbers for that. That's, that's true. All right, my current goal right now is to make some cash off this mm-hmm. and try to break even, make back the money I've spent on this endeavor. Yeah, breaking even would be the number one goal. Yeah, so that, that would be my goal. And, and, and that number is not that insane, right? No, it's not. It's pretty manageable goal that we can get. But yeah, that's about it. And as for how long are we going to do this? I, I don't know. I'll tell you this. The moment that any of the three of us moves away, this is done. Yeah. I'm not doing this over Skype. That is way, way more work <laughs> that I believe to put into this. <laughs> <laughs> so the moment one of us moves away, it's done. And we're all constantly talking about like moving away. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a possibility. <laughs> like any day, any day one of us could go. If not all of us at the same, at same time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're just living like day to day here. Yeah. Next up, Anonymous writes in and says, Hey, why do you guys never talk about the fan scores? They always seem to give the worst movies the best scores. He's talking about like a Rotten Tomatoes. They have like the critics and the audiences. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's actually a really good question. Like why we never bothered to bring that up. I really don't have an answer. It just never occurred to me to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I never bothered. I've always found those scores to be confusing too because people vote on those things before the movie comes out. Yeah. Like does that vote disappear when the movie comes out? out and I then doubt it, it and then it becomes whether you liked it or not after you saw it I don't think it does no way because you go on before and there's already a score before movies even come out right yeah that's like the people that are excited to see it yeah, yeah. so I don't even I don't even know if I trust those scores to be honest with you yeah you're right I mean it would make sense for us to talk about it but like I just never did so chalk it up to laziness on my part mm. whenever anything goes wrong on the show it's me being lazy that's, that's <laughs> the answer okay Ronan writes in that's a sweet name sweet movie I've watched oh, that in yeah. the in the last week. How was it? Amazing. Holds up? Oh, yeah. I, I, gotta, I gotta get on that. I gotta watch that again. Yeah, get on fantastic it. Fantastic. Get on movie. it. Okay, Ronan writes in and says, Great tidings. My name is Ronan and I'm from Ireland. I'm a friend of Michael who wrote in a few weeks ago about the scientifically accurate Quatometer. I figured you guys are sick of talking about useless movies like Killers and Valentine's Day. Oh, you have no idea. So I thought I'd ask you to name some of your favorite directors. I love Christopher Nolan, The Prestige, Inception, and How You Rescued Batman from a Near Campy Death to make him a favorite of mine along with David Fincher except for Alien 3 and so on and so on okay Kevin who are your favorite directors Wes Anderson I think is my favorite director really he's your number one yeah I love his quirky style it's right up my alley and then yeah Nolan and Fincher they're up there too Mm -hmm. Um, what about you Joel I'm gonna toss some Darren Aronofsky onto that list I think he's one of the best directors working today like if if you put a gun in my hand you're like who are the best directors we have today who are the most interesting people to watch Mm -hmm. of course Aronofsky Fincher Nolan Anderson those guys, they put it in a movie, you go see it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Sight unseen, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're the best we got. There's a lot of like up and coming talent I'm looking forward to seeing. Like Neil Blomkamp, I really want to see what that guy's going to do with his career. The guy who just directed Chronicles, Joshua Trank, like I want to see what he does. Yeah, I'm real interested to see what that guy does next. I know you were you were in on Blomkamp from the beginning. You you both stuck in that guy from the start. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for years I had yeah, been yeah. waiting for that yeah, guy. Yeah. You, you remember me talking yeah, about yeah, him yeah. for you, years and years before Dirkman came out. Yeah. I was on the ground floor. Uh-huh, you got in. Guy. You got in yeah, early. Yeah. yeah, those are my favorite directors. I mean, like, there's other guys out there that I think are interesting, like Richard Kelly. I don't always agree with his choices, but I think he's an interesting guy to watch. Yeah. You can't take that away from him, right? Mm-hmm. I know you're always waiting for the next Shyamalan movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that are... Do you think they're past their prime, like Spielberg? It's time for them to step down. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think Spielberg's at the point in his career where he's like, I've made the movies other people want to watch. I'm going to make the movies I want to make. Yeah. I think that's the difference. So I mean, there's, there's Scorsese's still going strong, right? Yeah. People still love his works, and yeah, I can't th- really think of anybody else on top of my head. Okay, uh, Marty writes in and says, I love and look forward to your show each week and would be glad to donate to you whenever you set that up. Also, never show us what you look like. If you're cute, it will suck whenever you mention you have a girlfriend. And if you're ugly, I will stop listening to the show. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Keep on laughing. <laughs> okay, what do you think? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's definitely going to be in, in a torture when we talk about <laughs> our dating lives. 
That's a great email. <laughs> so I guess we won't show ourselves. Don't ever show me your face. Nick from London writes in, your review of Valentine's Day brought up some questions I'd like to ask. First, do you guys have a favorite romantic comedy? Second, have you thought perhaps of inviting a woman on the show to give a female perspective on the generally male-oriented movies you review? And finally, you've mentioned many actors on the show who you like, Michael Sheen, Woody Harrelson, etc. But which actresses do you like? All right, first up, romantic comedies. Sleepless in Seattle? That's, a, that's probably my favorite one. What about yeah. you? I like, in no particular order, these are just the ones I can think of on the top of my head. I like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I like that movie a lot, actually. That's <laughs> probably my favorite. I like that. Love Actually, I liked. You hated. Yeah, I really didn't like that. I like Love Actually. There's a movie that came out years ago that no one's ever, no one remembers this. Down with Love. Oh. Remember that? Mm-mm. I think that had Ewan McGregor in it and uh, Renee Zellweger. That was a fun movie. I like that romantic comedy. I'm going to throw Just Friends in there. I okay. like that movie. Okay. Second, inviting a woman on the show. You've had a, a woman on the show, haven't you? We did. That's one of the many, many mysteries of the Yes, that bad podcast. Mm. Why doesn't Kevin like Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> Who was that mysterious voice at the end of the Transformers Rise of the Fallen episode? <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> and who was that girl in the early episodes of the podcast? Like episode five and four, I think. Here's the other secret. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and you never will know. And I'm not at liberty to discuss it. So <laughs> oh, man, the plot thickens so heavy right there. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about it. Even though she was on my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So bringing a woman on the show, I mean, we did it, I don't know, maybe in the future? I, I don't know. I don't completely discount it, but I don't know. I know for sure one that has no interest in doing it. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> and uh, favorite actresses. That's an easy one. I, I have a theory that the best actresses are all over 30. There's almost none that are under 30 that I think to myself, like, wow, that's a great actress. Anybody who I would pick as being like, wow, they're really good is over 30 and up. And the older they get, the better they are. So people like Kate Winslet. Helen Mirren, Tilda Swinton, you know, people like that. Like they just get better and better. Maggie Smith, you know, the older you get, the better you are. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think like Anne Hathaway's a good actress. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing at me. Um, I mean, I, I definitely agree with all the people you said, too. Meryl Streep, you know, yeah, streaming mean, a crop. Yeah, I mean, does she even need to be mentioned? She's like a given, right? Yeah. She's like the Kenneth Branaghs of the world, right? That's a legit yeah. actress. Yeah. She put the time in. Jennifer Connelly is pretty good, usually. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Paul writes in again, and he says, Hey, Joel, I just tweeted my take on you guys. Calling from clues and your reactions to previous submissions, hair color, relative heights, I got the impression you wear glasses. I know you're getting sick of all the shave jokes, but after hitting on the Kevin Cruz hybrid and Martin's Conan-esque befuddled look, I realize I don't have a hook for Joel. Wait a minute. We know damn well he'd probably be enjoying a nice shave. I couldn't pass up the chance to put Kevin in a bomber jacket and a maverick level shit-eating grin after hearing the hilarious Top Gun episode months back. Yeah, so he, he sent in this great drawing of us. Another great drawing. Kevin, you're awesome. really pleased that all these drawings are coming in. Yeah, but it's awesome. It took a while. I mean, I guess because it's takes a while to put that stuff together, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they've been awesome so far. And that latest one, I adopted that as my uh, Twitter icon. Yeah, it suits you. Oh, yeah, it's pretty sweet. I'll put a link to this on the on the website, on in the show notes, so you can check it out. It is an awesome illustration. I'm really happy with it. Yeah, these have been great so far, guys. Spencer writes in, Hey, guys, I was just wondering how you decide what movie to do each week. What is the process? Is it a group decision, or does Joel just proclaim from on high? Kevin? Yeah, of his throne <laughs> proclaims down to us his minions. <laughs> this is what I will put you through next week. <laughs> the truth is we don't plan ahead at all. At all. Right? There's no rhyme or reason to anything that we do. No. It always ends up like this. We record the episode and then at the end of the show, when we're all rushing to get the hell out of here, we're like, oh, wait a minute. We didn't pick a movie for next week. What do you want to do? And then we debate it for like 10 minutes and then we just pick something. Spencer writes in again. He says, I just wanted to congratulate you on the wonderful and informative chart depicting the character relationships and Valentine's Day. The characters McWife and Cameraman were great. I giggled my ass off. <laughs> Kevin, you had a strong part in that infographic. That was so much more fun than watching that movie. Yeah, I'm really proud of how that thing came out. Uh-huh. I'm really proud of that thing. Watching that movie was almost worth it so we could put that chart together. <laughs> almost worth it. Elise writes in and says, Hey, longtime listener here. I live in Alberta, Canada. I listen to you guys while I'm at work where I build robots. Whoa! True story. I'm in a soundproof office with a lot of windows 
windows in the middle of the mechanic shop. Your podcast has led to two very embarrassing habits while I'm at work. First, while I was listening to the podcast, I often burst out into uproarious laughter in the middle of the episodes. For the people looking on, it just looks like I have lost my mind. Second, I have gotten into the habit of using the phrase beefcake. <laughs> Almost constantly. <laughs> Whenever I do use this phrase, I burst into laughter. And since no one else knows what this means, I just look like an idiot. So thank you for making me look insane. Ah, wow, that's pretty cool, right? That's pretty sweet. Keep on beefing on or whatever. <laughs> Spreading the beefcake. Big fan of Canada. Way to go. Okay, Jared writes in and says, Joel, since you seem to have an obsession with shaving, have you ever seen the movie Clean Shaven? In this movie, the main character is a schizophrenic who is on a search for his missing dog. Daughter. He is obsessed with keeping himself free of body hair. Throughout the film, Peter is constantly shaving in an attempt to rid himself of the receiver and transmitter that he believes is housed within his body. What movie throughout history is your favorite because of a character's facial hair? I have no idea. I have no answer to this question. I will say this, though. I recently saw Adrian Brody in a commercial for Mach 3, whatever the hell it was. Let's bring it back to the shaving realm. Mm -hmm. It was him, that guy from The Science of Sleep. Remember that movie? <sighs> Gale, whatever, that guy. Yeah. And, uh, Andre 3000. They're all in a commercial together. And Adrian Brody's new facial hair, he looks like V for Vendetta. Like, it, it looks exactly like V for Vendetta. It suits him well. <laughs> it do does it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I can see that. He looks pretty stylish. Okay, and finally, Logan writes in and says, I'm not a hobby shaver, and it usually takes me about five minutes to shave, but I wanted to get Joel off the shit quattro or whatever POS he is using and recommend the Recur Safety Razor. Since switching over, I have the closest shave and no more bumps. I don't buy all the crap that goes with it, like brushes and soaps and all that. Just get the razor, soap up, and shave. Thanks for the podcasts. Listen here, buddy. <laughs> you dare come to me. Did you forget who you're talking to? Listen, pal. I own a Mercur 38C, all right? <laughs> You're such a freak. You're such a freak. <laughs> I've got personas, feathers, derbies, you name it. This is my first time around the shaving block, my friend. <laughs> And when I say I can get a cleaner, faster, smoother shave with the Chic Quattro than I can with the Mercur, I'm not lying, all right? I spent a year with that stupid razor, <laughs> and it got me nowhere. But I went back to the Chic Quattro, I used the techniques I learned with the Mercur, used it on the Quattro, and I'm never going back. What do you think, Kevin? You're a shaving elitist. <laughs> no, quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite, because when I read that guy's email, I actually went to badgerandblade.com, the home of all shaving needs, and I read their reviews of the Shit Quattro and I was laughing out loud. Like these people are so into this. Like they have this like you said, elitist mindset. It's like only shave with the safety razor. It's the best shave you'll ever get. Meanwhile, I'm shaving with the Quattro and I had a girl touch my face once and she said that my face was smoother than hers. I wish Martin was here because he was there when it happened. <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here, buddy. So wait a minute, it's a safety razor? That's what they're called, yes. That's something, something that a little kid would use. Yeah. So he cut himself. I'm going to give this kid a double-edged razor. Like, this like is like a six-year-old would use. Safety razor. I'm just kidding, Logan. It's no man, big deal. Man, you came down Whatever. so hard on him that you're backpedaling. <laughs> Stand up for yourself. Be a man. I, I don't want to alienate my fan base. <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, I do own a safety razor and I have shaving soaps and brushes and all that crap. And I prefer the end results of the Quattro. I could never get the baby butt smooth shave or BBS as they call it with the Mercur that I could with the Quattro. <laughs> Kevin is disgusting <laughs> with my shaving terminology. <laughs> hey Kevin, uh, after the show, I'll teach you how to J-hook <laughs> with my razor blade. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin just took off his, his headphones. He's done. He's, he's getting dressed. He's out of here. <laughs> okay, thanks for those voicemails, guys. That, okay, thanks. <laughs> voicemails for not playing anymore. <laughs> yeah, the written voicemails. <laughs> Thanks for those emails, guys. You can If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yesatbad at gmail.com. <laughs> okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And this question is inspired by Dane. And the question is, what are your biggest movie criticism pet peeves? What really annoys you about the way people review movies? I think my biggest issue with movie reviews is a lot of times whether 
where the movie is enjoyable to watch gets lost. Yeah. Like people ad- will admire a movie a lot. They'll see technical things that they like about the movie and they'll focus on that. And whether it was entertaining or not gets lost along the way. That's my pet peeve as well. Like the extreme elitism mm-hmm. that goes on a lot when you follow any major critics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Okay. What is your biggest movie review pet peeve? Head on over to yesthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice poll. And the theme here is flimsy at best. (laughs) And it's just uh, movies that have fighter jets in them, I guess? Non-Top Gun related. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Non-Top Gun fighter jets are in the background movies. Okay, your choices are Stealth versus Behind Enemy Lines. So Stealth has like Jessica Biel and Jamie Foxx, I think? Sounds right. And Behind Enemy Lines is Owen Wilson and Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman? Yeah. 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 Okay, as for next week's movie, Kevin's right. We've watched too many pieces of junk back to back. We need a palate cleanser. We need a sorbet to really wash out the filth from our brains. I made the decision that we're going to watch a movie that we all like <laughs> I don't know how good the show is going to be, but it's we need this for our mental health. Okay, tune in next week when we will be reviewing Constantine, starring Keanu Reeves. Thank goodness. We'll watch my personal copy sitting right over there. I need this. <laughs> I I need this to to keep going. But what if all these horrible movies taint your experience of Constantine and you give it a one? (laughs) No, I I think more likely is I'm going to watch Constantine and say, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Five out of five. (laughs) So to recap, head on over to yesidbad.com where you can vote on the poll between Stealth, which is a movie where a stealth bobber comes to life (laughs) and starts killing people. Not Transformers, though. Versus Behind Enemy Lines. And tune in next week when we'll be reviewing Constantine starring Keanu Reeves. Wait, does Martin own Constantine? I think he does. Do we all own own this movie? (laughs) That's never happened. Never. Not once has this happened. That we all own the movie we're going to review. Perfect. Wow. Wow. We can all watch it independently from each other. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. And by the way, uh, Facebook, we just broke 900 likes on Facebook. Sweet. Let me get some incentive to all the people on the fence out there. We have a bonus episode of the show where we're just sitting around BSing, talking about whatever. It's that People have requests. Into that, and so I'm just sitting on it right now. If we get a thousand likes, I'll release it. Mm. A little incentive there. Oh man, click that like button today. Get that bonus episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. You can follow Kevin at Yeah It's Kev. You can follow Martin at Yeah It's Martin. Maybe you can send him some get well soon. <laughs> Twitter wishes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Opie's better by the time this, this airs. <laughs> He'll be better for Constantine, definitely. Yeah. Even if he was dying, he'd be here for Constantine. <laughs> Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. Feel free to call in at 973-797-9324. Oh my God. Wow, you finally got the number down and you're cutting the freaking voicemails out. <laughs> it's a little behind the scenes at, into the Yes That Bad universe. This is episode 57. That means we've been doing this for 57 weeks. Every single time that I do the voicemails and I say the number, I have to look it up because I refuse to remember it. <laughs> and, the, and these guys are just giving me a hard time because I don't remember it. But now I finally remember it and I'm getting rid of them. <laughs> Twist of fate. <laughs> Cosmic karma. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>